Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. G'day and welcome to the Fans Advice podcast for 2021. If you tuned in in 2020, thank you very much. It was a cracker year for the podcast, starting out and just finding our feet. Today for episode one, we've got James Walker hailing from Longreach in Queensland. We'll be talking about diversification, how you do it, what he's up to, what motivates him and the different projects he's been working on. So I'll waste no more time and let's get into it. Welcome to 2021 Farms Advice podcast. To start us off for the year, we've got James Walker. James, how you going, mate? Good, Jack. Good, good to uh, good to connect with you this morning and uh, to your listeners. Good morning, and uh, yeah, hope the year kicked, has been kicked off well. Absolutely. How's it looking up where you are, Longreach? Mate, we're, it's uh, it's quite sporadic the rain up here. We've got, uh, I suppose, uh, a pretty freakish sort of um, amount of rain up here. We've had ten inches since November, so for the area, that's pretty good. We're you know we're we're you know heads above the above the uh, you know I suppose um, you know the district for rainfall. Um, and it was just one freak storm that came through. It was like a bombing raid. Um, it just sort of went from light gray to you know to light blue to to sort of um to yellow and then just when we got to our place it um it just let go and it went red and there was some black in it so we got three three to three and a half inches overnight um and then on the other side of it just lifted off again so it was like a bombing raid that's the only way i can explain it and to kick the season off in um in december pretty well um and uh yeah so yeah so it's green here mate a lot of weed because we're repairing from i suppose you know all those years of drought uh but uh but yeah because we're exclusion friends we've got some pretty good uh i suppose um uh control over over kangaroos eating it all so yeah so it's all coming away quite well and good to get home just got home from brisbane checking one of our daughters into school for the first time so uh yeah so uh yeah traumatic experience but it's all for the best so uh yeah so it's good to get back and probably get on top of a few weeds Absolutely. Well, best of luck to her. What's it like up in Longreach? I haven't actually been up there. Is it flat or you've got a bit of hills? Mate, we're pretty flat. So, uh, so yeah, so it's just uh, gently undulating sort of um, country. It's all sort of alluvial downs um, and we've got Mitchell grass. So it's all fairly bare. Um, you know, there's in the, in the creeks that, you know, there's no permanent water really, um, apart from some major, uh, I suppose, water holes on the Thompson River, which is, what Longreach is named after, a long reach of river. So the waterhole yeah, right. is about 10 kilometres we go skiing on. And, uh, yeah, that's how the name came about. And the Baku, of course, which um, which go into the Cooper down around to, um, down around Junda. So, 
So yeah, mate, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty open and flat. Like you don't really need uh, choppers unless you've got a whole heap of scrub, uh, which is the gidgey that we sort of get up here. Um, and so yeah, so it's it's pretty good. It's all open, open sort of downs country. So yeah, so we can get around on motorbikes and and uh, and yeah, spot things from a long way away. So so yeah, so it's it's um, uh, yeah, not bad. It's been it's I suppose our average rainfall 16, 18 inches, like that sort of range, but. The volatility of that, you know, in the last sort of 20 years that I've been home, uh, we've had anywhere from, you know, sort of 42 inches in one year down to only two inches. <clears throat> so to stack up a production system on that, you've got to be fairly agile and flexible. So, uh, yeah, so one season isn't the same. It's not repeatable like, you know, it would be in the UK or, or in some parts of, um, you know, the States or an irrigation farm. You know, we've got to just harness what we get when we get it. So... Uh, so that's why we're fairly flexible and agile up here in terms of farming. Or we've got, you know, properties spread, you know, in different rainfall zones. So that's sort of how we tackle it up here, mate. Absolutely. Well, it's perfect to have you on the podcast today. What caught my eye was, is it Continine? Is that how I'm pronouncing it? What's that, sorry? The Continine Award. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, you've got me now. Kandinen. 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 Right. Yeah. So in 2017, yeah. you won the award for diversification on farm. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it was quite interesting. I, uh, the Kandinen Group, which is a great group based out of Western Australia, partnered with um, you know ABC and um, and National Farmers Federation. They sort of got national awards every year. Um, anyway, they phoned me to sponsor it, uh, and uh, I said, "Oh, look, I'm just a startup, you know, sort of software business." So. Uh, I wouldn't be in a position to sponsor it yet, but give me a few years. And they said, oh, what are you up to out there anyway? And I just sort of told them what we do. And they said, all right, well, is it all right if we enter you into the awards? Because, uh, yeah, uh, so, so yeah, so that's how it sort of got, um, sort of got roped into that one, man. Um, so, yeah, so it's just excellence and diversification. So, uh, so, you know, not relying solely on, I suppose, one income stream out of a farm and being trapped by it, uh, you know, just just, I suppose, spreading the wings a little bit and trying different different sort of innovations and different business streams. Where where do you come from in agriculture? Like, where's your background? If you just talk us through that of how it all started. Is it through the family yeah, mate. or uh, you kicked it off yourself? Yeah, mate. Uh, no, so, what, uh, so how we got into farming was my grandfather drew a ballot back in, oh, I think it was uh, 2000 and... Uh, sorry 1923 or something like that and uh anyway he uh yeah all he had was a swag and a bundle of cash and he uh uh jumped on a train came north of longridge to a place called Murraborough and uh yeah and settled on a place called ingleside and back in those days they had pastoral inspectors so you had to develop the country to keep up with your uh the expectations of the crown uh and uh, and develop those blocks so he got about he said about sort of developing it all up and and uh he was close to town he got on a few boards and, and a few committees and uh yeah got to know all the local agents so he used to trade a lot of sheep and uh with that his four other brothers came up into the area uh up into the long range sort of district and they sort of i suppose formed what was uh you know a bit of a network and just built and helped each other build their farming enterprises so one stage i was shearing up to i think it was uh, two hundred thousand sheep in a, in a calendar year and uh, yeah, and so when the wool boom hit, they, they you know they they were in a pretty good position. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so how I got it? I suppose we're fifth generation. We had a we were Illawarra dairy shorthorn, uh, you know, sort of dairies down around Bangalore, down near Byron Bay there uh, early on to supply you know all the sort of the coastal districts in Brisbane. And so that was at the turn of the century, last century. And uh, yeah, and then so, so man, how I got into it, I sort of went away to school and uh, thought I'd come back for a year to, you know, just to pay back the dues from, you know, being away at school and then going away and doing commerce or business or finance or whatever, you know, whatever I would at uni. And then, uh, yeah, and then I got roped into the business and, and uh, sort of haven't looked back, just been sort of, uh, you know, building, I suppose, um, you know, knowledge and, um, and skills and talent in in farming ever since always did want to go back but then i decided well we you know we've got a bit on here so um uh they were getting thrown around by the droughts and and the isolation of just having properties here so 
so yeah, so uh, I thought, all right, well, if we're going to make something of this, I better stick around and and do everything by correspondence. So that's what I did, man. And uh, yeah, so yeah, so we've got. Uh, I'm married with three kids, and uh, I suppose I've been through three bouts of succession uh, since I've got home. So my grandfather, uh, and then my uncle, and then uh, uh, my my direct family. We sort of have all been through that succession. So. So yeah, mate, we're, we're uh, yeah, so we're just now all unencumbered. We've got our own property here just outside of Longridge. It's 20,000 acres and that's where we were cited for the excellence of diversification, I suppose. Beautiful. So for your property near Longridge, is it your main source of income? Yeah, mate, yeah, it is. What, what we, uh, I suppose what we were sort of recognised was, uh, yeah, we did all the exclusion fencing. We, uh, I suppose, tapped the, premium markets are all organically accredited um, and a global animal partnership accredited as well. Uh, so we can get our, our produce into Whole Foods. Um, I set up a, a sort of a, a lease arrangement with a larger pastoral company, like a corporate. So it's a, it's a floating lease whereby uh, it sort of takes in the variability rainfall out here. So it's, it's good for all parties. Um, then we, uh, we've got agritourism up here as well. My brother runs that. And uh, he gets about sort of 3,000 people through a year uh, at, on the farm and uh, just sort of highlighting the stories of farming and, and uh, just showing them uh, what it's like to farm up here. I haven't been able to do that, though, because, um, you know, we haven't had much stock of recent years. But last year it was great. And people get an understanding on how it all works. And then, uh, yeah, and the other, uh, the other diversification piece was the solar farm that we put in up here. So in 2016 in the you know roaring drought when everyone was leaving town uh i you know we sort of we've got this block that's close to town we thought all right well what about putting a solar farm on to try and keep people back uh because the school went from 200 kids to 100 pretty much overnight since the well since it couldn't employ anyone and everything was closing up so yeah so we uh yeah, so we went to, uh, I suppose, Arena, uh, went to some large corporates and said, all right, let's set up a solar farm in Longridge. So yeah, it was a $32 million build. Um, and so we get a bit of income out of that as well, uh, which is which is great. And uh, Clemsey Finance Corporation, Canadian Solar, and now Foresight Group uh, sort of own the solar farm. We just get the lease payments out of it. So, so yeah, so that's... that's uh, that's sort of three of the things that we that were sort of innovative and, and did during the drought. But the main pursuit that uh, I, I sort of undertook was after an upfield scholarship uh, where I was fusing, where my project was to fuse production metrics and financial metrics to give a view of how the farm's tracking, I suppose, to gauge, you know, the trajectory of farms making money or, or sort of going backwards. Uh, Financially, uh, yeah, I wanted to build some software for that. So we started AgriHive and uh, uh, to kick it off, we had some summits, uh, one in Longridge here, uh, one in the UK over in uh, Westminster in London, uh, all profiling, I suppose, uh, the gaps in financial uh, literacy, uh, business management and farming across, uh, you know, across the north with the, with the beef industry and then uh, you know, and then over in the dairy industry over in the UK. And then we came back to sort of Austra- um, Australia and did a, uh, another summit in, uh, you know, in, in Parliament House here in Queensland uh, based on capital. So how do you access different and alternative forms of capital uh, where we just got CEOs and specialists from outside of agriculture to come in and actually profile uh, what they do in their industries or their, you know, sectors and then bring it back to agriculture and try and decipher it and pull it apart. So, so yeah, so that, that I suppose, informed our build uh, for AgriHive, which was uh, we build a product called Farm Echo. And what it does is it pulls in all the, all the financial elements of your um, uh, enterprise and then gives you a picture on how you're performing. So, yeah, so it's been quite cool, mate. So that's the, that's the other sort of uh, alternative, uh, uh, I suppose, industry or or approach we had to farming in Longridge uh, that, that I suppose got us that award. Um, and, you know, when I sort of look at, um, you know, diversifying, I suppose what I look at is, um, 
I sort of look at investments in terms of revenue generating assets. So, you know, what what is a revenue generating asset that can give me the best bang for buck? So is it investing in cattle at that time? Is it software? Is it, you know, buying another property? Is it buying a bus for, you know, the tourism? Is it is it unlocking some land for more solar development? So you, so you sort of look at spending money in terms of, you know, will it generate revenue and, uh, you know, and what, what do I need? What do I need to work out? Uh, you know how much revenue will generate. You know the return on investment. But uh, but yeah, so that's how that's the sort of lens we look through when we make investments and, and how we sort of attack it. Uh, so so yeah, so the program we've got is being used in northern uh, northern Australia at the moment. Um, and yeah, currently we're on a capital raise. So uh, yeah, so we're in sort of uh, late stages of raising some considerable cash to actually have a real crack. So, um, so what yeah, will so that cash quite- allow you to do? Mate, so what we want to do is, uh, uh, I suppose it's a very manual process at the moment. We want to automate it. So, so if we can get, um, yeah, so if we can get, um, uh, you see these bloody long range flies are still here, mate. Um, no matter if it rains or doesn't, they still, they still stick around. Um, yeah, so mate, um, yeah, what we, yeah, what we, uh, what we intend to do there is to actually build it out for uh, more, I suppose, enterprises. So. Build it out for not only beef cattle, which is which is what it's used for at the moment, but sheep and wool, uh, meat, sheep, goats, um, and then all the other commodities across the, the spectrum. Uh, and so it's just about scale. So uh, instead of just being uh, you know specific for one region or one um, uh, industry, we want to go across all commodities and be quite you know quite. Um, uh, yeah, quite expansive with 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 what we offer. And how we do it. So yeah, so mate, the investment's about building the team, um, and I suppose pulling the vision all together and coding it. So um, so yeah, so it's it's about you know um, coordinating uh, you know that vision into reality, and and that's you know that's what we need funding for, and then market it. So a lot of these sort of startups have a lot of um, gusto in building it, but it's actually the marketing that that's that's missing, which is which is good that you've got a good background on that and understand that, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think like for the agriculture industry, so vast and we are spread out physically. So being able to tap into those different markets isn't always easiest and costly as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, mate, so I, I, uh, I studied, you know, it's sort of doing everything through correspondence. I did, uh, I've got, you know, a whole heap of diplomas that, that, um, that, you know, if I need sort of a skill, I'd go and pick up. So I did marketing, uh, finance, um, uh, yeah, and a few few others just to just to try and get an understanding of, on, on how to do it. And then just a lot of reading, I suppose. And, <clears throat> and of late, <clears throat> uh, podcasts have been brilliant in sort of, um, I suppose, uh, transferring knowledge from, you know, uh, you know, one person or, or one source to another. So, yeah, so these podcasts, I commend you on sort of starting this up. It's brilliant that you've got this going and you've got some great momentum here. So, so yeah, so, so yeah, mate, so that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much how we, uh, how we roll and how we, uh, how we got going. And it's just all about managing the, I suppose the, you know, the finances to coordinate, you know, um, how fast you run and, and, uh, you know, which direction and, uh, yeah. And then pulling it all together in, in, uh, you know, in, in the holistic view that you've got in terms of your business and how you create the wealth in it. Um, so, so yeah, I wouldn't encourage everyone to sort of diversify. It might, you know, instead of diversifying, they, they might like to optimize their business. Uh, so that's about, you know, sort of penetrating the value chain. That's about, you know, cutting your costs. That's about, you know, sort of developing, um, your cap, you, you know, your, your capital works into running more, um, but it's, all about, it's also about balancing, I suppose, you know, whether your um, asset, your farm can handle that. So, you know, in terms of the trajectory of, you know, the financial trajectory of a farm, uh, that's fine to, to sort of um, coordinate and log that. But but it's also the, I suppose, the um, uh, the natural capital in a farm as well. Uh, so part of the capital raises also address that as well. So you know, we might be going well financially, but you know, how long can we do that for? Is it sustainable? So if we can, if we can actually um, enact a, uh, you know, a metric to show the natural capital on a farm and whether it's improving or declining or, 
or you know or you know regenerating or degenerating i suppose that that would be a great metric because i think naturally all farmers uh you know are keen to look after their you know their patch but um uh but sometimes you don't have the tools to understand exactly how to do that or how we're affecting it so i think if if, if it's not a governance process you know the government sort of uh, I suppose push onto a farmer to say, all right, you need to do this, you need to do that. I think naturally, you know, if if we've got the understanding of what our operations doing and our activities, well, then we can then we can change them, uh, you know, and improve them. Uh, but I don't think it's through lack of desire to do that. I think it's through just just the metrics. So part of the capital raise is to do that as well to actually you know have an impact on um, on the longevity of farming. Uh, so yeah, so it's quite quite exciting, man. I can't wait to kick it off this year and, and get going. And and uh, we've already started building the team based on the on the capital raise. So yeah, so it'll be yeah, so it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be brilliant. Perfect. So is the team are they working from home or you got a little office space? Yeah, we'll have. I, I'd say what we'll do is at the moment what we're sort of working to do is to have a headquarters. Yep. With sort of, with sort of hot desks. Uh, as opposed to, I suppose, just um, having people work from home and catching up in coffee shops. Um, that's probably what I've been doing for the last sort of four or five years. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 been uh, yeah, it's been like a uh, like a cage fight, you know, to try and get this startup going. And uh, uh, yeah, every twist and turn, you've got to be able to buckle and bend with them. So, so yeah, so so yeah, so it's been extremely lean to kick things off just to prove the concept. Um, but we've got a few good contracts here now that, you know, have proved up that we're on the right track. We've got some really good corporate partners as well that have sort of said that we're, uh, that they're extremely interested and, and, uh, and have sort of signed some arrangement with us, you know, uh, in the event that we've, we've finalised the, the capital raise. So, so yeah, so, so it's pretty good. So, yeah, I think we'll, we will have a bit of a headquarters or a presence somewhere. Um, I'd love it to be in Longreach, uh, you know, in the regions. So, so sort of working towards that, but ultimately, uh, you know, we've got to go where the where the you know where the connectivity is and where the networks are. So, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we'll we'll make that decision on I suppose the ability to scale, uh, you know, quickly without. But I mean, COVID's been brilliant, Jack. As you, as as you can understand, just the ability to to negotiate and do deals over Zoom uh, is uh, you know has changed. The face of how we operate business now so uh, you know beforehand you'd have to put a face to a name and go and meet them and have a coffee and see the body language and see the intent of their firm and but uh but these days you can sort of uh you know there's a willingness to execute over the phone or over zoom uh and so i think that's that's what's what's been great out of COVID. this you know this sort of uh, digital literacy that everyone's got in farming uh so so it's you know it's uh yeah it's going quite well. well I think 2021 is going to be huge for farmers actually coming online for like online livestock auctioneering. Uh, that's been a huge one for over the last year or two from drought also, but also spurred on from COVID not being able to get into sale yards as much. Um, and also for your business carrying on the digitalization of agriculture. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, we've done a few ag tech sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of webinars and things like that over the over last year. Um, you know, and people say, oh, you know, farmers don't take up technology. You know, farmers aren't you know, very slow at adopting technology. I, I'd probably sort of challenge that because uh, you know, uh, with mobile phones, every farmer's got like a like a digital processor right in their pocket. You know, like so they're accessing all the technologies that are available to them. And, uh, you know, in terms of buying the technology, I think where people can't sell them and haven't got a good value proposition, I think that's where, that's where people throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, farmers just, you know, they're not, they don't adopt technology. And I think it's, you know, just a value proposition to them that, that, that you can help with marketing, I suppose, <clears throat> um, and, the, and the copywriting of their story. But, uh, but yeah, mate, so <clears throat> I think, you know, I think 2021, yeah, it'll be an extraordinary year. And, and uh, yeah, and, and Jack, um, another sort of um, aspect of what we're doing here now is also dissemination of uh, information, I suppose. And 
And uh, I came across uh, technology last year that I, that I wouldn't mind sharing with you today. I was just talking to you about it before. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, so we've got a, uh, we've got a website called pharmatech.io. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I was, at, I was at the airport coming back from uh, oh, this is a business meeting. Uh, I used to fly away every second week uh, in 2019 to, to Brisbane and go and connect to Sydney just to keep things ticking along. Anyway, so I was in the airport and I saw these uh, this stand with sunglasses and they were connected to the to the stand. I thought, oh, these are interesting. So I picked them up and um, and anyway, uh, they were audio sunglasses and uh, I thought, oh wow, if these work, these would be extraordinary good, extraordinarily good. And um, I'm used to buying sunglasses in the BP and, you know, just, you know, just getting the hard wearing ones and $20. Anyway, I thought they were quite expensive at $300. So I thought, oh, well, I won't buy them. Anyway, it got the better of me. So the next time I went down there, I bought them and um, I've had them for about a year and they're Bose audio sunglasses. And mate, they are bloody extraordinary for, um, uh, see that that's a speaker there. Um, and there's a microphone just underneath them. You charge them just here, and there's a control button just there. So it's Bluetooth. It connects to your phone, and you can listen to podcasts, but you can listen to music. You can make phone calls. So when uh, so when you're uh, you know when you're loading a Ute, instead of having to sort of stop the phone call or or just wait and hold everyone up, you know when you got your team just about to go, and you might be talking to your accountant or your lawyer. You can have these things on and just keep operating with two hands. So if you're trucking, loading cattle, operating crushes, uh, fencing, mustering. Man, I've used them for about a year now and everyone that's seen me with them um, has wanted a pair. So I negotiated with Bose and and uh, and Harvey. Sorry, mate. The long and Harvey. Alarm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much is. you got to watch them. you got to watch those bloody city people, mate. No, only joking. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, so mate, it's uh, yeah, so uh, so yes, everyone that sort of seen me with them, uh, you know, has wanted a pair. So I said, all right, well, I'll just negotiate with uh, with Bose and, and Harvey Norman uh, because I did a, an interview with Jerry Harvey last year. And um, anyway, uh, yeah, they said, yeah, we'd love to support you. We'll give you a really good price price point. So yeah, so they're not three hundred dollars anymore. And uh, yeah, and, and anyway. It's not about sort of um, oh, 50, 50 of these things. And what they do is they use them for podcasts like yours. So instead of, uh, they've got six hours battery life. So I just put them on at the start of the day and, and uh, mate, you've got eye protection as well. And and you seem to look after them better than those sort of those eye um, ear pods, are they? And they don't yeah, get in your ear. Earpods. Yeah. And they you don't, don't get lose your ear. them as much. And you don't put them through the wash. So. Uh, yeah, so, so anyway, so I thought I'd share that with you this morning. But, yeah, all you do is you just press this button. Uh, where are you? There's a camera. Away. That button there, and that will actually connect it. And you can skip songs if you press it twice. You can pause it if you press it once. And if you press it three times, you can go back an episode or, or uh, yeah, or, or whatever. But, mate, I've sold them to truckies, fencing contractors, um, uh, athletes, I suppose. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, um, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, I thought I'd share that with you, so you know they can get through your podcast. We'll put it into the show notes. That'd be great. Those mustering days. What I want to find out, James, is like what spurred you on? What spurred you on initially? Like it's easy enough for farmers to sit back on your twenty thousand acres and just run a few sheep and cattle, do the bit of fencing maintenance work. But why? Why agri hive and I don't know what's busting your bubble to get out there a bit more. But I think it's um, uh, I think it's just like when I when I started AgriHive, we had the worst drought. Like it was the worst condition. We had the most cattle ever, like the highest um, national herd ever. Yeah. Um, no, nobody had any answers. Like we couldn't process cattle quick enough. We couldn't, um, uh, you know you couldn't feed them you couldn't get hay there fast enough like it, we just got trapped incredibly trapped so so the reason i sort of kicked off uh, agri was to help to give better um uh, i suppose um support tools to to farming so you can actually see events happen 
before they happen. So you could run the scenarios, you could see what impact it's going to have on you. So, so say, so say I had a system that had, I suppose, um, you know, uh, 20,000 beef cattle farmers on there and they could see their net wealth position um, and their, you know, business trajectory. And then all of a sudden live export came in and crashed. Well, what could happen then is that could flow through to the reports. And then we could say to, you know, our politicians like um, Ludwig when he was in there, mate, you just wiped off, you know, sort of, you know, $7 billion worth of cattle value because you've closed down live, you know, live export, you know. Alternatively, you know, if you're going into a drought and you've got a lot of cattle, um, you know, what happens if you run through drought and feed them, you know, run through that next season with them and have to feed them? Well, you can run those scenarios if you've got the right programs. So, so that was a motivation for it, mate, just to try and, you know, there were people that were, um, you know, there were people that were committing suicide after not being able to truck their cattle up here. You know, it was pretty bloody raw. There were people that just had no, um, no perceived opportunities. And once you lose your opportunities, well, that's when mental health kicks in. So, um, so I was here just, and there was nothing being done. They were pulling out, you know, I suppose, um, drought policy from, you know, 1914, you know, like they were, it was ridiculous, the, the, the response. So, so I, I actually presented to um, uh, Tony Abbott at the time, Prime Minister and, and the Ag Minister who was Barnaby Joyce. And I said, guys, look, they're looking at you for leadership. We're all looking at you guys for leadership Leadership would be to empower the farmer, not, you know, give handouts and subsidies, which is part of it. But, you know, it would be to actually put opportunities in front of them that they can interact with that, that could make a difference to them and their family. Because, uh, yeah, if you lose the ability to provide for your family um, or the perception that you can provide for them, mate, the, the, the impact's huge. So, so, so yes, yeah, so that's the sort of motivation. Uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, we've got global population just extremely, you know, sort of compounding every year. It's like 82 million extra people a year to feed. And you know what sort of impact that would have on your farm if someone said, oh, you've got another 800 sheep to feed this year. So I don't, I don't think the awareness of what, you know, what's happening is there. So if we can optimise those farms to handle those extra 800 years or, or the globe to, to actually handle the extra 82 million people a year, um, you know, I think I think that'll be good. Or just give the awareness of what impact we're having, and and you know, and sort of discuss that. I suppose that you know that might be good if we can build programs to support and optimize and diversify farm businesses. So, so yeah, so that's a that's a sort of motivation, mate. And uh, yeah, and of course, at long reach, you know, income is extreme. Income reflects rainfall, so it's extremely variable. So yeah, so I'm just trying to throw out a few different you know, sort of business models out there to try and, uh, you know, get people provoked and thinking. So we've got what we call a periodic business model up here whereby, uh, uh, yeah, whereby, you know, no two seasons are the same. So for a period, you've got a business. Uh, For a period, you've got a different business. So it's a periodic business model. So, uh, yeah, so in terms of, um, and I'm on the Regional Economic Centre of Excellence you know, trying to, you know, build this up with them. There's a lot of academics there, so we sort of hit our heads against a brick wall a fair few times. But what we what we try to do is uh, is say, all right, well, this is what is happening on ground. This is the operations. This is the activities when it rains and when it doesn't rain. So we need to support businesses during that and transitioning between when it doesn't rain to when it does rain to when it doesn't rain. So, so to pick up those periods and cycles. And so... You know, when we've got biomass out here, it rains like it is at the moment. We are just flat. We're just trying to capture that and preserve it um, as, as much as we can. So whether it's baling hay, whether it's large numbers of adjustment cattle, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, leasing or whether it's trading or, you know, whatever it is, we've just got to convert that biomass into, um, you know, revenue uh, and do it sustainably. But then when we're in a drought, you know, we don't want to go and feed cattle and just, um, absolutely wreck the you know wreck the wreck the countryside so that we can recover quickly so yeah so uh so yeah mate so it's, it's all about just sort of provoking and disrupting and just getting uh you know getting different thinking out there um and so if we can do that 
um, through, you know, different technologies and different models, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's part of it, I suppose. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can create a good legacy for farming, especially in this area, but, you know, across all Australia, like a, if we can get that sort of, that, uh, you know, the perception of farming improved that, you know, we just don't all need um, handouts and subsidies. We're actually quite, we're quite bloody good. So, uh, yeah, so that that's uh, that's it. Just disrupting and throwing out you know different ways of thinking out there. Absolutely. Well, I I pulled a quote from one of your articles when I was studying up when studying you. You said, "Don't wait for government. Like you can't sit back and wait for government to give you these subsidies and handouts. You want to hand up, but to be proactive in your approach." Yeah, man, I think that's what um, that's what resonates with all the academics that I work with. You know, we're we're not we're not sitting around waiting for a fund to you know like funding to to do a project or something. We just get on with it. Yeah. Um, so, so um, yeah. So I mean, you know, that's a last resort. I think government support is like you know the the absolute last resort. It's needed in some cases, but uh, fundamentally, uh, there's other countries around the world that that um, that believe in you know empowering you know, with better business models, better business support. Um, so, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think government and uh, a friend of mine, Professor John Coley sort of says, yeah, government is a, you know, is a last resort. Um, so, because what you get is this, um, this medicant society, which is all about, you know, sort of just when something goes wrong, you put your hand out. And so I just don't believe in that at all. That's why I put the solar farm in, you know, we, we, yep. we did that. And years ago, we had meat sheep, and and there were no processes in Australia that would handle our meat sheep. They uh, they were just too stuck in the you know merino wool and crossbred uh, sort of uh, you know systems and processes. So they didn't want medulated fibres. They didn't want to have to change their you know their chains and their their processes to handle uh, you know meat sheep. They are extraordinary how how resilient those sheep are. Like in in drought drought areas like this here, um, you know they're extraordinary. Just you know, uh, you know, just as well as goats are, I suppose. And and there's not really a huge supply chain for the goat industry at the moment. It's developing, but yeah. So uh, so yeah. So the processors didn't want them. So we were sending them export over to the Middle East. So out of Port Adelaide from Longridge, and um, and that was exposed in a report. I think it was a current affair or something like that. That we were trucking them so far to get there and. And we based all our uh, projections on, uh, you know, our budgets on $70 per head, which we were getting for those sheep at that stage, uh, the Damaras and the Dorpers and meat sheep. And uh, anyway, so it shut overnight. So it was like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do now? They, you know, we've gone from $70 to these processes not wanting them and giving us massive discounts. I think they're offering anywhere from sort of 8 to $18 for these sheep that, you know, would play. And so I said, well, what are we going to do here? And you'd try and ring the, I'm not sure what government was at that stage, but we could just couldn't get through and, you know, to turn that around. Um, so, so I said, right, so I made a promise. I said, I'll make 20 phone calls a morning um, to try and establish a network to get a live export um, out of northern, northern Australia up to um, uh, up to uh, sort of Asia, you know, yep. Southeast Asia. And if I could do that, well, then, you know, the sheep aren't going as far, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, a lot better for the, for the sheep and it'll fit in. So, so anyway, it took me, uh, took me three weeks, 20 phone calls <clears throat> and establishing, uh, you know, relationships. And, uh, yeah, we struck up a deal with, uh, with a cattle company. We got one pen in a, in a big cattle consignment going over to Indonesia. And so, uh, so our sheep went over there. The sheep actually put on weight. Uh, we didn't lose one and uh, just showed the, the, uh, the resilience of those sheep to get over there. And, uh, yeah, they put on, put on kilos uh, being fed over there. So, you know, we, we did a pretty good job. Anyway, that was, I think that was for 5,000 5, sheep we sent up there. Yeah. Um, and no one, no one can believe it. it was the first major consignment of sheep to um, uh, out of north, north northern Australia, um, and then from there we just kept on going. So we sold those sheep for one hundred and ten dollars, you know, because yeah. of just the just the desire over there for protein, and uh, 
Yeah, so uh, so developing on that and the success of that consignment, we ended up sending uh, 3,000 out of Townsville later on. Um, and then we sent, uh, and then we started to sell them um, via uh, air cargo. So we'd have, you know, sort of cargo planes uh, load up 1,800 sheep at a time and fly them to Malaysia or to the Philippines. And, uh, you know, and that was extraordinary as well. Um, and then all of a sudden the processes uh, started to pick up the meat sheep uh, sort of uh, appetite. So then all of a sudden they're exporting um, uh, and the numbers didn't work to keep exporting. So we could turn around and do them internally in the domestic market. So, yeah, so mate, that sort of just goes to show, like if you, you know, maybe have jumped up and down and banged around and said to the government, this isn't fair, uh, you know, it might have taken six months to turn around, but we didn't really have six months. So, so enterprise, business is such a good medium to, for getting things going and, and done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, in terms of us building this program, this next stage, I think it's a really good vehicle for, you know, enacting change. And, you know, if, if um, you know, and I, I sort of had a lot of meetings with, with uh, ministers and officials um, in Canberra about, you know, trying to build what we're going to be building. Um, and it's just too much for them. Like, you know, they, they, you know, they concentrate on votes um, and what will get them votes. Once I build it, um, they're happy to sort of say it's built and it's great, you know, look how good this is. Um, but, you know, in terms of investing in it, they've got a lot of pre-existing relationships with universities and, you know, and their department believe they can build the best solution. And then they've got these large corporate, you know, sort of firms like KPMG and, and all those guys that sort of profess to, to knowing ag and doing desktop reviews and, and, and uh, you know, and building the solutions there. Unless you've really got someone on the ground building that, like they don't know the impact of it. As, as you would be well aware. So, so, yeah, so there's always going to be that disconnect. So, you know, if you wait for, and you know, I've been trying to get them to, you know, start the momentum up, uh, but it's just not happening. So that's why we, we just said, all right, let's have a crack. Um, instead of going through government, we'll, uh, government and industry, we'll just have a crack ourselves and get a large investor in that's just going to uh, believe in our vision and, you uh, and support our growth so so yeah so that's 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 what we've done mate but uh yeah and it and it's exciting it's just moving so quickly at the moment and um see more moving even more quickly with you know the likes of your podcast and and transferring all that information to people yeah it's great like sharing techniques knowledge and also giving a bit of a template to other farmers passing the buck and seeing how we can improve the industry as a whole what i want to like wind back a bit is a lot of farmers would be balked by trying to call 20 people each day and every day but when you look at it it was only for three weeks and you opened up a totally new market for yourself yeah absolutely absolutely uh there's uh yeah there's <clears throat> there's a pretty extraordinary psychology around that mate so um, you know, there's uh, and some good literature on that, on why people, you know, don't like change. Um, you know, I'm more risk averse now because I've got kids and, you know, want to sort of, uh, you know, make sure that I've got security and income and revenue. Um, whereas when I was 18, I'd just go, buddy, you know, every, every time I got, um, you know, um, some, you know, like a pay packet, I'd, uh, I'd race down to Brisbane and go and catch up with mates and blow it all. Um, and, uh, and then come back, lick my wounds for sort of three or four weeks and then um, build up enough to go down. And then I said, all right, well, this, you know, I'll probably, you know, this is probably so. It's not a change and all the money that I'd make, I'd put into sheep and trade sheep. So, um, uh, yeah, so that gave me, you know, sort of a little bit more flexibility to when I got away and, and uh, how much money I had in the kitty. And, and so, yeah, but I think, uh, I think people are just, you know, the... Uh, you know, they like doing what they've always done um, because that, that's that's a system that they're used to and a routine that they're used to. Um, to actually change it up, it has to be fairly proven before, um, you know, before there's adoption there. So, so yeah, so, uh, you know, in, you know, in agriculture, we found that um, extension is, is by, you know, fellow farmers, you know, if, you know, if 50 farmers are doing this, 
it makes sense. Like you know, with yeah. these with the fifty of them, we got it. You got testimonials. People people jump at you know jump at this sort of technology. Um, but initially, they're like, oh, that's that's a bit like that's a bit different. I, you know, I've already got my Ray Ban Sunnies, or yeah. I've already got Oakleys, and but yeah, and then it's got to you know, there's got to be about three touch boards to change a little bit. So you know, so if if three people, uh, you know, sort of around them exploded their businesses through doing other things, well, then they'll start looking at it, um, uh, you know, but um, initially, uh, yeah, like it's just, it's just the, uh, I suppose the, uh, yeah, the, the, the ability to take that risk, make that phone call, you know, might not work the first time, but you just get back up and just keep going. So uh, and that's why I think, Australian farmers are the most resilient in Australia because we get a drought, we've got to respond, we've got to, we've got to turn around and jump up and say, right, oh, well, how are we going to make this work? Because, um, you know, there's a lot at stake. Uh, you know, our, our, our farms, our businesses, are our are our homes in in most uh, most circumstances. So situations. So, so yeah. So we, you know, we have to fight to 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 stay stay alive and. Whether you fight to get government assistance or subsidies, that's that's one form of it. Or whether you fight to diversify your business, that's a you know that's another fight. So, so yeah. So I think you know I think we're you know in terms of farming, we're pretty punch happy. So, uh, so yeah. But I I just sort of that's the way I approached it. Um, just yeah, that was probably just because of the external stimulus were forcing me that way to say All right, what do I do with these animals? That, you know. How do I, how do I, you know, capture, capture this opportunity? Um, so, so yeah. So another, another thing I'd probably suggest is, <clears throat> Jack, um, a lot of people need to know, uh, don't, but they really need to know the statement of position. Like they need to know exactly where their business is, what available equity and capital they have. And then it's all about, sorry, yeah, it's all about deal flow. <clears throat> so, um so I mean, you know, if you're ready, if your business is ready to take on uh, next door, you know, and you've got all your equity and your capital allocated to uh, to new opportunities, and you've just got it sitting there in a facility, you can actually have those discussions to uh, to expand the business or take those opportunities or just or just pull the trigger to say, righto, um, yeah, I'll buy those cattle. Um, but if you don't and you don't have your finances organised and your capital and you don't have your house in order. The next door neighbour or your mate down the road who does have that can buy those cattle and make that you know two hundred fifty dollar trade you know in a week you know that uh, you know um, they had a mate the other day that bought cattle from Mount Isa took them down to Gundy and the eight decks that he had on there um, the agent already had an extra two hundred fifty dollars a head for him um, if he wanted to sell them um, in transit so. You know, he was there. He found a good deal. He could act on it, and it's all about getting the business in a position to be able to do that. So, <coughs> so that's sort of that's sort of uh, a little bit of the thread that we're trying to pursue with this new uh, with this new sort of development in agrihive or pharmatech. So, so yeah. So it's it's just all about capturing opportunities when they're there and being able to act on them. So, so that would be your one piece of farms advice to diversify. For farmers, yeah, man, it's all about deal flow. So uh, the only way you get deal flow is to get your business in order and have your finances ready, have your facilities in place, and uh, you know, and know and know your statement of position. So it's a bit hard um, for them at the moment because it's a combination of an accountant, um, you know, and uh, you know your own sort of uh, management accounting. But that's what we're trying to bring. We're trying to bring that. Um, that awareness so we can get more deals over the table and get access to, to finance and capital a lot quicker. Absolutely. Well, James, thank you very much for coming on the podcast for today. Very first episode for 21. And it's a good way to kick it off into diversification. A question we ask every guest is who would you like to hear on the farms and farms advice podcast and why? But uh, I'd be interested to hear you interviewed, actually. Someone do a reverse interview of you to, to see uh, see what you're up to, see what your aspirations are and, and uh, you know, what, uh, you know, because it's, you know, I reckon there's a lot, um, 
I reckon there's just a, there's a lot below the surface there that you're doing this for that uh, no one's really exposed yet. So I, you know, I think um, I think what you're doing is great, and uh, love for people to know a little bit more about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, so so uh, yeah, so Jack, I'd I'd, I'd say uh, you'd be great to interview. I'd. It's funny, I, I thought last year when I interviewed Jerry Harvey, it would be the most amazing interview um, uh, in, in uh, you know, history for ag and ag tech. But, uh, but he's pretty stubborn. He didn't want to talk about I what bet. he didn't want to. So he, he talked about what he wanted to talk about on his terms. And uh, I didn't quite get a, enough out of it. But you always get some good takeaways from anyone. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably say, uh, you know, um, later this year it'd be good to get someone to interview you. I don't know who it would be, but, uh, but it'd be interesting, I think, Jack. So credit to you and thanks so much for having me on today. Thanks, mate. That was a bit of a flip. I didn't expect that, but should be good just to see, delve into what I'm up to here and the bit of the marketing and what's behind it for Farms Advice for 2021. Absolutely. If, if there's anyone else that I think you should interview, it would be uh, John Cole, who's a, who's, who's a mentor of mine, Professor John Cole. He's, a, he's got a really great story about, backstory about agriculture and farming. Yep. And um, he's really good, um, uh, you know, underlying theme about trying to build resilience in rural Australia and, and you know, using agriculture as, as a sort of the, as a sort of the um, guiding, uh, guiding light. So, yeah, mate. So <clears throat> if, if it's if it's not you, probably John Cole. Absolutely. So how can we get in touch with you, James, through AgriHive? Uh, mate, yeah. So I've got a Twitter handle, james.jumbuck. Yep. Uh, or I think it's James Jumbuck. That's what it is, Twitter handle. So I think, uh, what what is your list is mainly sort of communicating? Is it Twitter? Tw- or? Twitter's a big one for farmers. Yeah. So, so mate, yeah, Twitter, um, James, uh, yeah, James uh, Jumba. So yep. yeah, so that's good. LinkedIn, uh, James L. Walker on LinkedIn. Um, it's becoming bigger and bigger in agribusiness, so that's quite good. And then um, Instagram, just James L. Walker, I think it is. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you want those studies, we'll, you know, you probably you said that we might put something um, uh, with the communication. So that's farmatech.io. Perfect. Darius, we'll have all the links in the show notes, but thanks again for coming on the show, James. Have a good rest of the day. Talk soon. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with uh, everything down Dubbo. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.